Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's Tuesday, the 29th of October. I'm Jules Breach. He's Andy Russell. And this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. When you're the captain, you're at the forefront of everything. Everything that's good, everything that's bad. For me, once you do that and you obviously you tell the fans to, to F off practically and you wave your hands up and then you take the shirt off and then go straight down my tunnel, for me, that's it. Coming up, we'll chat Xhaka, Southampton and the relationship between players and fans when things aren't at their best. And we'll also discuss who the better option is for Manchester City, Sergio Aguero or Gabriel Jesus. But first things first, Andy, we must start with the revelation that Brighton were first on the match of the day running order on Saturday night. And I was a very happy girl. That's pretty good. I think it's your reward, Jules, for being so incredibly professional <laughs> on BT Sport Score and not standing on the desk and going, yes! Do you know what? I felt like there was a moment where I did that, but it must have been internally because I asked yes. you after, didn't I? I said... Did I hold it together there or, or did I actually go mental live on air? <laughs> Robbie Savage was definitely trying to draw it out of you. He was. He was I, like, I do, Jules, I, I can him. see you through the corner of my eye. And I was like, I'm holding it together here. This is, this is a great moment. Obviously, winning a game late <laughs> is so good. But the manner of the performance, obviously, I know Brighton were lucky. I'm not going to sit here and say that it was a, one of our better performances of, of the season. It wasn't. It was more down to the fact that at two all and I know we were fortunate with the penalty and fortunate to score an own goal late on as well but 
I have to say, the fact that at 2 all we were still pushing forward and still going for it is something that as Brighton fans, we're not used to seeing. We're used no. to getting to 2 all and having, you know, five, ten minutes left of the game and just thinking, right, we're playing Everton, let's just get a point here. But at home, going for the win, getting all three points, it was a big, exciting moment and I managed to just about hold it together well, yeah, live w- on air. Wimbledon got um, a, a stoppage time winner the, the week before in what some of our listeners have been calling the football ramble derby between uh, Wimbledon and Portsmouth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, there's no better way to, to to win a game. And all of the rubbish that's gone by in the previous 92 minutes just all of a sudden evaporates into thin air, doesn't it? Such a good feeling. And I had, I did think... I mean, we've got to be first on the running order for match of the day. It's not even like it's a big deal if we're not, but it's just funny because of the week previous when we lost to Villa, I thought that was such an exciting match. Despite the fact that we lost, I Mm. thought we're going to be first on the running order and we weren't. So this week to finally get there and be first match shown, it was a nice feeling. Also means you can go to bed early because you just watch the first (laughs) game and then watch watch the rest on record the next day. Well, of course, the Sky Sports app just lets you watch your team's goals alone and then just avoid the rest of it always Which, uh, handy I mean the, the, the thing is I, I tend to give these programmes a swerve such as Wimbledon's uh, <laughs> form over the last couple of years anyway well it's been another action packed weekend of football and lots of stories emerging from the matches we're not going to go too much into VAR even though I think that we could fill a whole hour thank you talking about that um, one of the things we want to delve into is the relationship between fans and players and fans and clubs when things aren't really at their best, when things aren't going well. And and the reason for that is because of Xhaka being booed by the Arsenal fans, by his own fans when he was substituted in their match on Sunday against Crystal Palace and also off the back of Southampton's thrashing uh, against Leicester, at home to Leicester on Friday night, 9-0. And I, I'm going to keep mentioning that just so I can keep my job here because it will make Luke very happy. Um, <laughs> you, you are contractually obliged to do so. I am. Um, but, it, but it is quite interesting because off the back of both of those stories that I've just mentioned there, it's made us think a bit, hasn't it, Andy, about the relationship between fans and and what they expect from players and from clubs when things aren't going well. Yeah, and I think, um, as you say, the the ramble touched on it very well yesterday, um, the the, the Xhaka thing, and I I was particularly interested um, in what Jim was saying about it's a an accumulation of pressure on, on Xhaka, his reaction, and that players, of course, they see what's being said on, on, on social media, and it's relentless. And clearly there was the sense of it wasn't just about what was happening in the stadium at that time, but more of the straw that broke the camel's back. And, you know, you look at a player like that, and clearly he's had his moments where it hasn't gone great at, at, at Arsenal. Whether he's actually been given the conditions to succeed, I, I think is a, a different question. And, you know, we were talking, weren't we, off air about the um, the analysis um, of, of Ian Wright uh, on uh, Granite Xhaka's play on, on, on Match of the Day 2. And, you know, Wright's analysis is always excellent, but I, I didn't completely agree with him, Xhaka, necessarily hiding from the ball as you were saying to me like he was making himself available yeah. I, I don't feel he really has a defined role in that team and I, I think that's been a, a problem for a while that's something that feeds directly to the, the, the manager but whereas what happened when he was coming off the pitch meant something specific to Xhaka 
clearly meant something else very specific to 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 those those fans as well. And I think it was a sense of frustration that they weren't winning anymore, um, accumulation of a, a a whole number of things really. Um, and you know, I don't think anyone really covered themselves in 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 glory at that moment. And it was it was it was really sad to see. But you know, I, I think sometimes in this in this era where theoretically there's so much clearer communication between fans and players, something that social media has created, there's also much more um, scope to, to to fly off the handle, uh, and, and that's something that was was really really felt at that moment. I think. Yeah, when you talk about social media and the relationship that players have with fans now social media is great in the sense that it allows the fans to see another side of players and see more of their private life that they choose to put on Instagram and on Twitter but also it's a dangerous place at the same time because it's an open forum where fans can say whatever they want to that person And, and we have to remember these football players as much as they might be idols and they might be stars and they might be players that you watch week in, week out and you want to criticise or you want to applaud at times, they're also human beings that do see what you write and they do feel hurt when you're not very nice to them. And like you say, Andy, this moment did feel, the moment when he was being booed coming off the pitch, felt more than just... We weren't happy with your performance today. Get off the pitch. I, I assumed that when he started getting booed, it was because he wasn't coming off the pitch in a hurry when Arsenal should have been pushing to go on and win the game. But then obviously the boos increased and then he was kind of agitating the crowd with his reaction, which made them boo even more. And it, it felt like you say that that was more than just a on the day that performance and, and even from the past few performances. Yeah, it was a tipping um, over the edge for him and for the fans, wasn't it? From social media and from criticism over the past couple of seasons, because it doesn't feel like this is new no. when it comes to Xhaka. This feels like this has been... He seems to me like he's been a bit of a scapegoat for Arsenal fans over the last few years. And it's, I agree, and it's, it's, it's the context of where the club's at as well. This sense of frustration of this sort of... Well, it was a groundhog day of a season, but it's of a season upon season. But it's, it's it's become less than that, really, hasn't it? Because now they're not even getting in the Champions League anymore. I was at the game against um, Guimarães on um, uh, Thursday night, in which Arsenal were terrible, I have to say, and saved by those two fantastic free kicks from from Nicola Pepe. And I, I was uh, just taking a photo of um, the, the the stadium and the Guimarães fans before it, it all got um, started because there were loads of Guimarães fans making a heck of a noise, bloke dressed as a bishop, having a can <laughs> of lager, all that sort of stuff that yeah. you love to see. Yeah. A- anyway, the the thing that struck me is, you know when you open your camera mm. and uh, it says, this happened one year ago today, this happened two years ago today, this happened three years ago today. And the one that popped up for three years ago today was a picture of the Emirates Stadium. Ah. I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I pressed on it. And the first thing I noticed is all the advertising boards around the side of the pitch saying UEFA Champions League. And you're like, God, that feels a long time ago now. That feels a really long time ago now. And it doesn't necessarily feel a a shortcut to getting back in it. And, you know, I think that frustration really arrives when you see there's an opportunity 
and you're not really in a position or, you, you know, the club's not put itself in a position to take it. We talked right at the start of this season. I felt Arsenal were favourites for, for fourth place because Chelsea were in flux. Manchester United were in flux. Um, and Arsenal were, are not nearly ready to to take that opportunity. Um, going back to Xhaka, I mean, I, I think... It's it's just another failure of, of of planning, really. I think they bought him as as one player, have belatedly discovered he's someone different. He's he's not that steady hand on the teller sentinel type player. There's there's a lot good about him, you know. He's it, on a technical level. There's there's a lot good about him, you know. He's, he's he's someone who's really good on the ball. He's he's a really got a really good range of passing. He can shoot, but if you want him to switch on positionally. It's it's just not happening, and I feel as if like what he's not good at, and what he's always not been good at from when he was at Borussia Mönchengladbach has been used as a sort of stick to repeatedly beat him. That's not his fault, and I think from his perspective, you're thinking, "Well, hang on, I give everything every week." I think that's very very clear about him. You can say I don't rate him. You can say I don't think he's good enough for my team. All of that sort of stuff. I don't think there's any debate that he's someone who gives everything. And I think you, you get that from the reaction of the other players, especially, obviously, Lucas Torreira. Much has been made of his reaction. The shock that they felt, because almost like an attack on Jacker is an attack on them, really. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and that's it's clear that he's very popular amongst yeah. the other Arsenal players. And that's clearly why he was voted to be captain by mm. the players around him. And... There, there is this this sense that when you watch him play, as you say, fans might criticise him for his performance at times, but there's absolutely no no doubting his dedication and his passion when he's on the pitch. In fact, sometimes he's a bit too much like that, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? He's, he's just totally reckless. Absolutely. And I think that there's there's always going to be a split amongst fans, isn't there? Mm. And there's going to be some that don't don't like him and don't rate him and there's going to be some that that love to see that passion and in this situation it's never nice to see a player being booed by their own fans I cannot imagine how that must feel especially when you're putting in the effort and the dedication that mm. he clearly feels he's he's giving and then to be there in your home stadium and be booed by the fans that are supposed to be there supporting you it must have felt absolutely awful so i'm not condoning his reaction because taking the shirt off and almost saying right i'm done with this which is kind of mm. what it implicated when he took the shirt off well, at least he did it more smooth and chill immobile <laughs> yeah true it it that's not nice to see from fans and that's going to no. get them really riled up so i i kind of get it from both sides but i i don't like to see a player being booed by their own fans. No, I mean, really, it's just an expression on all sides of where... Frustration. Uh, yeah, uh, frustration of where the team's at and where the club's at, really. Yeah. Um, because, you know, this should have been their their season to get themselves back in the Champions League and it's, it's not really panning out that way. I mean, we, we, were, we were talking about this, weren't we, on on WhatsApp after the, the, the Sheffield United game on, on Monday night. We'd pre-recorded the show yeah. before that and I thought, oh, we've gone really big on... Spurs being the, the, the worst team in North London at the moment, haven't we? <laughs> we <did>. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. Well, well, this is the thing. When it comes to talking about what fans 
want to see and 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 their kind of unrest when things aren't going well. The frustration around Arsenal right now is because, as you were saying, Andy, they looked at this season the way it started and thought, we've got a real opportunity here to kind of grab that top four spot, get back into the Champions League and not have to rely on winning the Europa League to do that, which isn't an easy task. And now to see it kind of, it's been so inconsistent for Arsenal. And you look at the players they've got and you think that they should be in that top four and it shouldn't be as hard as it's been. Yeah, and um, going back to what what you were saying before about players giving up a little bit of themselves on uh, social media primarily, what I thought was very interesting um, after the the, the game against Gimelesha, I spoke to Nicola Pepe after that, and that he was quite open about the fact that he'd found it quite tough to adapt so far. And again, I think he's suffered from not really having a defined role in the team. And really, with two swishes of the, the left boot, which, you know, something that given a, a, a different time, a different place, Xhaka is very capable of doing him, him, himself because we know he's got a shot on him. He at least kept some of the, the criticism at bay. But, you know, on one hand, we want that sort of openness from players. But if we use that as a position to attack them, that's not great. That's the, I'm not. I'm not saying every fan does that, and there are a lot of fans there who are, I think, are, re, are are really reasonable and appreciate that. But yeah, it's it's not ideal. Uh, it's football's a fickle game, though, isn't it, Andy? Yeah. Because one minute, as you're saying, um, Arsenal fans are criticising Pepe. You know, he arrives with this big price tag and with a lot of expectation, and yep. it's taken him quite a while to settle, which is understandable. But Arsenal fans are obviously be impatient at the moment because of everything we've just said. They feel like this should be their season. They should be in that top four easily, mm. looking at the teams over their shoulder and around them. And then obviously he has this game on Thursday night last week where he scores two brilliant free kicks, wins the game for Arsenal. And then the fans are talking about Pepe's arrived and like then they're loving him. Mm. And that's just football, I think. I think fans yeah. are fickle, but... It is hard for the players because they are human beings, and obviously, yes, they, you know, that's their job. It is yeah. what they're there for, and and a little bit of criticism is to be expected. But I do think that as football fans, we expect so much. But it's because we love our football clubs and we love the teams we support, and yeah. we spend a lot of money going to watch them and and dedicate a lot of our time to them, and they they become a part of our everyday life because they they're part of your kind of every being when you talk about them you are the fan of that club and you represent that club so when things aren't going well it's understandable to be frustrated but I don't feel like as football fans we necessarily have the right to be as critical of players as we sometimes are just outright abusive yeah outright abusive isn't fair he knows that he's lost his head and he wants to hear that from 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 Jack and to see if he's going to say, look, Kaffa, I'm sorry about that. My head just went. Results haven't results been going well. And I sincerely apologise. And, you know, as a captain, I will apologise to the public, to my to the fans, to the, to, the, to the teammates, and conduct my, my business properly and be a professional. I'm 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. I'll tell you what, whatever spot Arsenal are in at, at the moment, you'd rather be in that spot than having just lost 9-0 at home, oh, I think. Ouch. I mean, I know a Southampton fan and I had to um, work with him on Saturday morning. And I, uh, I didn't, didn't, he, didn't he, he, was, he was telling me he turned his phone off. I did drop him uh, a message on Friday night. About 20 minutes night. left on Friday night. Do you know Friday why? Night. It's because he knew he was going to get a message from me, probably. <laughs> um, I, I messaged him on Friday night and said, hey, uh, you still coming to work tomorrow? <laughs> Blatant <laughs> dig. And um, yeah, I didn't get a response. Um, and all day on Saturday, when we were working together, I just kept saying, ah, Brighton are the best club on the South Coast now. <laughs> Forgetting Bournemouth, obviously, because, yeah, I know they're, they're, they're doing quite well. But, um, but yeah, it was, um, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a good place to be if you're a Southampton fan right now. And, yeah, that's, that's tough to take, a 9-0 defeat on your home turf. It is, but what I thought was interesting is the fact that Southampton announced then uh, the, the first team players and coaching staff uh, donated their wages from the Friday to the club's foundation, mm. uh, which I thought was a, a really good, um, positive thing. It's, uh, trying it's a nice to make touch, a, isn't it? Yeah, it's trying to make a positive out of an, a, a negative, and it's something they, they, they came up with themselves. Now, I, th- I think, you know, you look at the replies below the line on that tweet, and a few of them saying, you know, refund, Free match ticket. 
um, you know, we've we've used our uh, used up our time and all the rest of it, and you know, maybe we should um, have our travel and all that sort of stuff re- refunded. How do, how do you feel about that? I mean, I'm totally agree with that. Totally not on board with that. No, I'm completely against that. I think when you support a football club, you don't support them just to see them win and yes it was a dreadful performance from Southampton on Friday night but that doesn't mean you should get your money back the 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 whole Mm. nature of supporting a football club is that you know there are going to be awful times and you know there are going to be good times yeah and it's it's, I don't even think it's just about the devotion and, and certainly blind devotion I think it's about the fact that when you go actually to a game with with your friends or on your own or or whatever it's about the experience it's about the day if you're pinning everything on, on the result mm. or the performance uh, that's a shortcut to to unhappiness and in my opinion it means you, you don't really get what going to you'd be to loaded is. Andy if you've got a refund for every defeat <laughs> <laughs> it's not very expensive to get in, Jules. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be fifty quid up. <laughs> I, I think to, to to me, you're coming from a, a different place completely to the place that I'm coming from. If you think that the day is about the result and the performance, yeah, the result the result and the performance is is nice. To think that the players care is nice, mm. but it's about seeing your mates it's about the atmosphere it's about the atmosphere that you create yeah. as as fans it's ab- about the sense of of being as one and all, all that sort of stuff I, I can't get on board at all about that that idea if, if the players and the staff offer you something then I think this goes back to what 2014 actually when Sunderland lost 8-0 eight, eight at Southampton and the Sunderland players and coaching staff forked out the money to refund the match tickets of the what two, two and a half thousand Sunderland fans that went, and my God, that's that is a long, a long that's trip. That's a long trip, yeah. Yeah, so that, that probably factors into it as well. But I wouldn't be expecting anything. Mm. Play better next week would be nice. Exactly. Well, that's what you want. You just want to see the team fight back in the next game and see them get back to what you expect of them because a 9-0 defeat is not something you ever expect to see. And it's not the first time that we've heard about tickets being refunded and that sort of thing in football because um, I remember last year um, in League 2 Colchester smashed crew 6-0 and the crew manager at the time told the players to refund the travelling supporters after that defeat. Now, I think if the club and the players and the manager and as a team they collectively decide to do that, as you say, then... That's fine. But I think as supporters, expecting it and asking for it is wrong. And I think that, like you say, if there's a nice gesture that's put on, we hear all the time of, you know, sometimes away fans are, you know, then given a free pint at the next game if it's been a a bad defeat on the road or something like that. Or if it's been a long trip, they might pay for their travel. That kind of stuff. That's a really nice gesture from a club and not something they have to do. But when they do it, you're like, ah, that's a nice touch. But as fans... I don't think we should ever expect to get anything in return because it's our choice as football fans to pay the money we pay to go and watch our team hopefully win. But as you say, have a good day out. You go there for the competitiveness. You go there to enjoy the rivalry between the two teams. You go there to hopefully watch some decent football. And then the result, if you win, 
is a bonus. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we have to say some Southampton fans in this Twitter discussion are quite self-policing. And those who, who did ask for what, what was the possibility of a refund, they got a few replies saying, well, actually, I prefer the money going to the foundation. Yeah. I, I think that's better. So I, I think this is quite quite self-policing in, 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 in a way. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, it's something that um, it's, losing is one of those things. It is just one of those things. Getting belted occasionally is one of those things. And I'd just like to say, when I went to uh, Ipswich away earlier this season and we lost to a stoppage time goal, I got my money off in advance because they'd run out of change on the turnstile. <laughs> so I paid £2 less than the advertised price. Amazing. How about that? There you go. Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily here. And of course, you can get involved at any time at Jules Breach, at Andy Brassel, Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Still no jingle. Still oh, no We're still waiting. Jingle. I'm still waiting for Pete's luscious tones. I think <laughs> he might be planning to record something ad-libbed at the oh, uh, Ramble Christmas party. Stop it. I cannot wait for this. I love when it gets to this time of year, by the way, because we start building up to Christmas. Halloween's around the corner. Then it's my birthday. I, I will bang on about my birthday. I'm not one of those people that's shy about my birthday by the way right. when my birthday comes around i talk about it for at least two three weeks and i celebrate for about a month so you'll 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 hear about you it have already been talking about it for a number of weeks <laughs> i told you i love my birthday and then it gets to christmas and we start talking about all christmas parties and all the nights out start and um i spend a lot of days hungover. you know my my son had his first mince pie of the season on saturday oh it's too soon for that well, that's what I thought. Well, I see, because I'm a November birthday baby, I like to get my birthday out of the way first. Right. And then by the 8th of November, that's it. I'm ready. I am ready for a mince pie. But just right. get the birthday out of the way first. Right. That's my rule every year. Okay. I suppose the late present to you is the international break, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's decent. It's decent. And um, it's got to this point of the season as well where Pep Guardiola what we like to call pep roulette in the fantasy football world <laughs> um, has started to get even more and more frustrating because you just cannot predict who Pep Guardiola is going to start every single week, whether there's Champions League football, whether there's League Cup football, whatever might be on midweek, you just cannot predict. it. Could they, they, The players could have had a week's rest and you still don't know who's going to start for Manchester City. Well, I think in defence, you know, because they haven't got, they haven't enough, got fit. Much choice. No, <laughs> haven't have enough fit they? people to make a choice. No. But up top, Aguero or Jesus, who's the better option for you? I don't think it can be a definitive answer. So I think we're going to have a bit of a discussion about this. Yeah, I was, I was almost hearing uh, <laughs> Aguero or Jay-Z. <laughs> Interesting. No. Um well, Gabriel Jesus had a, a really good game at the weekend against uh, Aston Villa. I thought second half, especially, City were really, really good um, in, in this game. There's an interesting article by Paul Hurst in, in the Times yesterday um, about, I think the headline, yeah, here's the headline, a display of class proves Jesus is ready to emerge from Aguero's shadow. I mean, on one hand, that's quite a big claim. On the other hand, um, his all-round game was very tidy. You don't feel that he's a he's a passenger when he's he's not scoring. Now, I've never really felt that about Aguero either. I mean, obviously the top scorer in Manchester City's history, one of the players of the Premier League 
years from 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 ninety two onwards. He's been absolutely pivotal in um, the, the the development of modern Manchester City. But I think you've got to bear in mind that there are very much like Elvis. There are several eras. I never of thought we'd have Aguero. Elvis mentioned on the Jules and Andy oh, podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are several eras of. Aguero at Manchester City. I think we're into the 68 comeback special now <laughs> where he's he's all in leather. <laughs> Perhaps only for like, League Cup games. Talk, I don't really know what you're talking about. I don't know much about Elvis. I, 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 okay, we'll look it up. <laughs> but but I, I just think what the complaint was when Gabriel Jesus first came in is Aguero wasn't doing enough outside the penalty box. Now, I think that was something that was coached into him because all through the Pellegrini and Mancini years, even though Manchester City had spent an enormous amount on their first team squad and had a very, very capable first team squad, they were still very reliant reliant on Sergio Aguero. And, you know, I think that's understandable. You're always reliant on your, on your best players. Um, But, you know, they were living in fear of him doing a groin or a Mm -hmm. hamstring. And so, it was clear to me, having seen a lot of him at Atletico Madrid, that he'd been asked to do less so he didn't get himself injured. And I think in one way, to have a striker just score goals is fine. I mean, I was, I was talking to Clive Allen about this recently for a, a forthcoming uh, Ramble Meets. Keep your ears out for that. And he was saying he, he wishes modern strikers did less that they just concentrated on scoring goals rather than knackering themselves out, covering every blade. They should be there in the penalty box scoring goals. That should be their job. Whereas I think maybe Guardiola remembering the Aguero from La Liga felt a little bit underwhelmed when he came across him at Manchester City. And was like, okay, well, why aren't you running the channels? Why aren't you doing all that other stuff? Knowing that he was someone who was capable of doing that. And, you know, I think we've seen an upsurge in Aguero's all-round play um, over the last season or two. Um, but he is 31 now. And I think if they're arriving at a place um, where they're sparing him a little bit and they're keeping him for Christmas when there's going to be a lot of fixtures, and they're keeping him for the back half of the Champions League, I'm completely fine with that. I mean, when he was at Atletico, he was such an all-round player that I remember when he left and was replaced by... Radamel Falcao, who turned out to be one in a you know long list of strikers who've been absolutely fantastic for Atletico, like Forlan, Diego Costa, all the rest of them. When Falcao turned up, everyone was a little bit nonplussed. Like coaching staff and fans were like, what does this bloke do? He just scores goals. <laughs> you know, he didn't pick up the ball 40 yards from goal like Sergio Aguero and make stuff happen. So really what Aguero was turned Falcao into the player that, that he became later on. Of course, he was derailed by injuries. And he now, ironically, is just a player who just scores goals very, very well still. And um, interesting start for him at, at, at Galatasaray. But um, it, it's interesting, I think, that when Guardiola arrives and Jesus is at, at, at Manchester City, almost raises the bar for Aguero and all of a sudden... He's got to do it all over again, being already a club legend. Sergio Aguero is world class, in my opinion. 
One, one, of the, one, of, one of the best players not to win the PFA Player of the Year, do you think? Yeah, definitely. And one of the best players that the Premier League will ever see. He's mm. he's one of the Premier League greats. I think Manchester City have done fantastically well to actually keep Gabriel Jesus at the club, considering the amount of game time he gets and considering the fact that he's looking at Sergio Aguero, who as we're talking about, is one of the best players ever. And having to look at that and think, when am I going to get a run in this team where I know I'm going to be the number one choice? Because as a striker, you want to be number one. I can't imagine how it must feel playing in a squad and knowing your second choice. So Yeah, it's it's like backing up Kane or Lewandowski. Exactly. Really, isn't it? It's, it's, It's a similar thing. I mean, Guardiola did say that he hasn't ruled out playing... Aguero or Jesus together. I'm not sure if I believe him against unless it's against so. the very weakest opposition. Well, he did it last year, didn't he? It was the, the only time he did last season was against Newcastle, I think last September. Right, enough said. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. but when if he's going to play both of them together, then that limits the rest of his team and who else he plays and obviously would probably affect their defence and yes. that's not something he wants right now. So I can't see it happening at the moment with the injuries that Manchester City have to their defence. What we've seen so far this season in the Premier League is Aguero has had more starts than Jesus, but Jesus has had way more starts this season than he did at this stage last year. Mm. So Aguero started six games so far this season. Um, uh, Jesus has um, started four. Um, And in terms of overall games for the whole season, Jesus has already started seven matches this year um, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out and whether there will be a little bit more of a fair share across the board across all competitions because we are seeing that a bit more this season I think it's getting harder to predict who's going to play in which game whereas last year it was almost Aguero was nailed on to start every Premier League game yeah and I don't think that's a bad thing by any any stretch of the imagination and if it means City have got more in the tank when it comes to like March, April, that's exactly what they want, surely. Mm. And to, to have, I agree with, with, with what you're saying, Jules, to have someone of comparable quality or anywhere near comparable quality as another option, I mean, they're extremely lucky. They're very lucky. And it means that, as you say, when you talk about Aguero's age, when it, when it comes for his time to move on, they've got... Gabriel Jesus there, who is used to playing in Champions League games, in Premier League games, at the highest level with the same squad. Whereas if Harry Kane left Tottenham tomorrow, they would inevitably have to take a massive gamble. Yeah. You've no idea if that person will fit, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Whereas Jesus, he's already part of that squad. He plays with these players week in, week out, whether that's in the Champions League, the League Cup or in the Premier League. I think Pep Guardiola's management of his two strikers has been exceptional because he's managed to, I mean, as an onlooker, they both look pretty happy with what's happening at the club. You you never really feel like, oh, Jesus is actually a bit pissed off here about not starting. There there seems to be an understanding, doesn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And it always is such a a fine line for a, a coach, isn't it? A choice is always judged by its immediate outcomes. And it is its immediate outcomes. You know, there's, no, there's no patience. But it's interesting. I mean, this is the weekend in which we've seen uh, Christian Pulisic start for Chelsea, score that hat-trick. Perfect hat-trick. The perfect hat-trick, mm. as you say, um, at Burnley. And, um, you know, Frank Lampard is rightly 
being applauded for the way he's used him and I, I think do you think Lampard, it was a bit fortunate though oh let's start him in this game and then he gets his hat trick oh definitely <laughs> de- quite de- lucky, definitely, it? <laughs> definitely I mean you, you saw Pulisic had never done it before and yeah. almost forgot to take the ball didn't with know him. what to do did he bless him no but I didn't realise how young he was as well he's only 21 yeah yeah uh, I mean he's he's been from the start he's been someone who's um, evidently gonna gonna have an a, enormous future um, I think almost he was a bit held up and a bit squeezed out of things and a bit frustrated by um, the emergence of Jaden Sancho at, at, at Dortmund. That really did for him in the end and made him a, a very saleable and saleable now kind of kind of asset. Um, but the, the perception of it's interesting. I mean, I think Lampard has staggered him and especially with his short summer and used him very well. I think if we go back and it's, it's something that I'm, sure isn't isn't really acknowledged but when Frank Lampard started to age a little bit and Andre Villas-Boas had just come in and it was it was something that's talked about as you know Villas-Boas getting on really off on the wrong foot when he was at Chelsea he didn't start Lampard for every game mm-hmm. and he used him and then when he came in he was playing well and scoring goals and I remember at the time I immediately people were on AVB's case and saying, how can you not play this guy every game? And you're thinking, hang on, he's using him really well because he's a guy in his 30s who's getting the appropriate amount of rest and when he's coming in, he's doing really well, which I think is an indication that he's getting the appropriate amount of rest. And it's, I wonder whether that's what makes sometimes these ex-players who have played at the top level and have been through all stages of their career, like you you say there with Lampard towards the end of his career, that makes them great managers because they know how to manage players that are going through the same thing the way they were managed when they were playing. So what? It's not the decision, it's the communication of the decision, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I just love Aguero, don't I? What I do you love Aguero? He's one of the best players I've ever seen. <laughs> ever seen I just do not understand how you know he, if he stays in this country he's going to he's going to break the records he will I think he's unbelievable he hardly ever misses me it's, it's unbelievable so we've got a few mails this week uh, thanks everyone for getting in touch a few VAR based ones I oh, thought we weren't going to talk about VAR obviously we're, we're not the listeners are <laughs> okay great Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Um, Devon writes in, hi, Jules and Andy. First time emailer and huge fan of the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Um, I don't think enough has been made of the lessons we could learn from rugby's tried and tested TMO system and applied to VAR. Well, I have heard people talk about this a, a bit more this weekend, yeah. especially with the, the Rugby World Cup. I mean, uh, Devon's email um, is, is from a few days ago now, so it predates um, the Rugby World Cup semifinals. Um, but he says about how uh, the open communication um, with referees, microphones and live screening of reviews in the stadium would surely improve the viewing experience for all football fans. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's yeah. that's the problem at the moment. And that's what I like so much about the coverage, that it has focused on the fact that it's a poor experience for fans in the stadium. And I feel that this is the first time in years, personally, that we've talked about the actual experience of fans in the stadium mm. so in that sense maybe it's a, a backdoor way to have an, an overdue conversation anyway uh, Devon continues um, more importantly 
I think this could cause a positive culture shift in football around attitudes to referees by fans and players alike. And that would be a, a, a good thing. Um, I, I don't think we can argue with that. Um, cheers and all the best, Devon. Disclaimer, lower league football referee. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Devon. Uh, also, um, Mark Cole makes an interesting point. He says, um, I wonder if the process would be improved by stealing a page from the NFL where officiating crew works with the same replay official every game. That way they're a team, perhaps even easing the, in parenthesis, perceived friction tension between the booth and the field. Oh, well, I'll get a first-hand experience of that um, at the weekend because I'm, I'm going to my first ever NFL game on Sunday at Wembley. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll oh. let you know what I think on next week's Ramble then and, and how they use... Um, their version of VAR. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how it comes across. Mm. But finally, uh, we've got one from uh, Matt Chaput from uh, Toronto who says, uh, Hi, Jules and Andy. I love the show. Just wanted to let you know while I've supported AFC Wimbledon for years, yeah, uh, I haven't really had a rooting interest in the Premier League. However, <laughs> since I started listening to the show, Jules' enthusiasm oh, has it. led me to adopt Brighton as my Premier yes. League team. It's been up and down so far, but the glorious win at the weekend was a nail-biter with a crazy ending I won't forget. Keep up the good work. Up the dons and go Brighton. Matt from Toronto. Oh, Matt. Yes, I love that email. So, That's brilliant. Look, a I'm, new Brighton fan. I know to the clan people people talk about they don't have uh, favourite children and similarly we don't have (laughs) favourite listeners we do have one now Matt you are great thank you so much for that email and um, trust me there'll be a lot more downs than there are ups although if you've been supporting Wimbledon then maybe not every win's worth it (laughs) every win is worth its weight in gold thank you so much for listening once again we'll see you again next week have a good one bye This was a Stakhanov production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.